Thanks for joining us here on Pretty Spiritual, where we're attempting the unthinkable about how to navigate this messy, beautiful, imperfect life with spiritual tools, what, principles, and our own personal stories. So we're not experts. We're not religious. We're definitely silly. We're honest, real, and willing to share. So join us as we connect, bond, and grow together. Welcome back, friends. We're so glad you guys are here. And today we're going to talk about procrastination and avoidance. In preparation for this topic, I have done very little, but I have been noticing how much I avoid and procrastinate. I imagine that this is something that all humans experience in various degrees. So I found this really interesting piece written by someone named James Clear. And he talks about procrastination as being the force that prevents you from following through on what you set out to do. And then he starts to look at it as a relationship between our present self and our future self. So our future self can care about how I'm going to feel after I eat that donut, but our present self really just wants the donut. So he says that your brain values long-term benefits when they are in the future, like tomorrow, but it values immediate gratification when it comes to the present moment, which is today. So like, even if my future self knows that eating a donut is not going to feel good, it's up to my present self to implement that action. That's where things kind of fall off because our future self can set goals, but only the present self can act on what we need to get there. That really lined up with my experience. And I remember that I I used to do this thing every time I would get an email from federal student aid. So I have like $25,000 in student loans that I swear to the people on the internet who care about this, I'm going to pay those back eventually. Um, Every time they would send me an email, I would avoid it, ignore it, not look at it. Same with actual letters. And then it would mount until the point where they would be like, we are sending you to collections. And then finally, the like pain of avoiding it would be so great that I was propelled into action. So literally have to get to the point where they're like, we're we're coming for you and all of your assets. We are arresting we are going, you. We're going to take your dog. No! <laughs> That's the only way. So it, they in this piece I was reading, they call that the procrastination action line, which is the, when the moment, the pain of procrastinating finally propels us into action. And the pain of not doing the thing is greater than the pain of starting doing the thing. We have this habit as, as humans of, of avoidance coping, which is this this thing we do to try to avoid thinking about or doing things that we think will be uncomfortable. You know, the strategy is that we can avoid these stressors rather than confronting them head on and that that will make life easier. But the unfortunate consequences are that avoiding stuff makes us really anxious. Mm. So I want to talk with you, sweet ladies, about what procrastination and avoidance look like in your life right now, and where do they trip you up and cause suffering. So take it away, Annie. Oh, good. Thanks for that fabulous intro. Procrastination has been an art form in my life for many years. Should we applaud? I mean, I am... You can feel good about it. You're a star. internationally recognized. (laughs) For some of my bigger projects and works. (laughs) I really got a rush out of putting off something, just like you were describing, Ella, something that caused me discomfort, 
then denying the anxiety it created, which requires its own set of tools, right? Oh my gosh. And then completing the task under a huge amount of pressure, which also brought its own weird reward. Because I was like, I am the master of the universe. Like I can actually fix huge problems. So I had a massive shift around procrastination about three years into this spiritual journey. I can't describe how much it was every in every part of my life, especially academically or with work. Like I would just put things off and then I would fix them at the last minute and it felt like this huge Hail Mary and like somehow gave me this sense of power too. Mm. And somehow I thought I was having more fun. I had a job and I was working freelance, which requires that you be up on deadlines and that you can self-regulate and turn things in on time. No one's forcing you to do them. And I really couldn't manage. <laughs> it was very challenging for me. And I was full of emotions and anxiety all the time. And I was complaining to um, a spiritual mentor I have and saying how I was so overwrought and feeling all this pressure at work. And she asked if I was meeting my deadlines. And I, I explained all about the emotions and the anxiety. And of course not. And she just stopped me and she said, almost unkindly, <laughs> just do your work. <laughs> what a jerk. And I was affronted. This is radical. <laughs> but miraculously, I heard it. Like, it made me pretty mad. And I kind of <laughs> didn't like her for a while. But I actually heard it. And I was like, just do your work. And like, I'd spend five years now since she said that to me. And I hear it all the time when I want to not do my work. Just <laughs> do your work. So I think a lot of this has to do with my spiritual journey because historically, I didn't know how to work hard. Mm. Like the only way I knew how to work hard is if my booty was on fire, you know? But other than that, it was like, how do I have fun? Working hard in my mind didn't mean fun. So I would avoid it at all costs. And then once things heated up enough, I would crack it out, get it done, and then go back to having fun. Being on this spiritual journey has taught me some sense of discipline and some ability to work hard and do things that I don't think are fun, but then understanding that the sense of integrity that I get doing stuff is actually what I really want in life. So it helps me to get underneath why I'm procrastinating if I'm doing it now. And case in point, I was procrastinating last night and I was writing an article for uh, about an artist for a client. And instead, I was, instead of writing this article, I was black holing on the internet, like, just total black holing about stuff that I have no business reading about. What is Charlie Sheen up to these days? <laughs> <laughs> this is very important. Someone oh, must find out. God. So I realized that I was black holing <laughs> instead of writing, and I started jotting down all the sneaky ideas that were lurking behind mm -hmm. my procrastination. So I had a piece of paper besides my computer. I wrote, one, I don't want to do a disservice to the woman I'm writing about by not writing the piece well enough. Mm -hmm. Two, I'm not worthy to write about her because she's so fabulous. Three, if it doesn't take too long to write, it means I didn't try or I don't care. And so then when I had these ideas on the paper, I got to see how procrastination was saving me from these thoughts that I decided must be true because I was thinking them. But I couldn't really face them. They were just lurking in the back of my brain. And then to counteract them, I wrote, one, I'm excited to showcase this talented artist. Two, the client hired me to write this, and I'm capable and competent for the job. Three, don't predict, control, or manage something before you've even started it. Oh, so that was what happened last night. <laughs> That's what my life looks like with procrastination. 
it's way better than it used to be. Great part just because of like, I can hear this mantra in my ears, just do your work. But then also having the ability to kind of get underneath and being like, what are the ideas and like the fears and the things that are actually holding me back from doing it? So great, Annie. Thank you. And God bless you, whoever you are, offensive spiritual mentor lady. <laughs> uh, no, just bless that woman. Okay, it's okay. the people in our lives that say the things. They speak the truth. Oh, thank God. I, I was so them. wrapped up in self-pity. I'm oh like, my God. I cannot do my more. Could you just imagine listening to you? Oh, it must have been horrible. <laughs> oh my God, Cody. <laughs> <laughs> so great. I love to us all. It is your turn, Ms. Lindsay Pony, to let us know what procrastination and avoidance are like for you. Well, I'm procrastinating right now because everything that Annie just said is my whole spiel. Oh. <laughs> it's so great because, wow, what a beautiful common thread Yeah, that, that procrastination is. We're not alone. And, oh, it was so helpful. Thank you, Annie, for knowing my heart and soul. Twinsies. Oh, <laughs> yes. Procrastination for me is really discomfort dodging. The experience that I have right now that I can share for, with you, it was time for me to have a salary increase. I knew I needed to have this chat with my bosses and I wanted to like show up and have numbers. And I'm really not that big of a procrastinator is what I was thinking, except that when it comes to discomfort dodging, so whenever I'm anticipating that there's going to be discomfort, that is when I really start to kind of dodge whatever it is that I need to be doing. With procrastination, I am eternally grateful because, you know, it is the fuel that gets the dishes done, Mm -hmm. that organizes the shelf, (laughs) that like writes that letter. It's the fuel that gets all of those things done that we're just there waiting. So I am grateful for that type. But I am understanding about the procrastination that is paralyzing. And I'm really much more interested in seeing how my stories are tied to the procrastination. What story am I telling myself that tomorrow will this will be easier, better, faster? Is this procrastination a strategy for control that's tied to my low self-worth? Meaning I believe myself worthless, useless, incapable, and unable. So that's like the story that's being going on already. And with that belief of myself, it's no wonder that the simplest of tasks sparks this fear inside of me, which continues the story that I can't do this, which is just what leads to the, you know, the quote unquote five syllables of procrastination. It's my low self-esteem. It's also my side of wanting things to be perfect so I don't even start. The other piece that was really interesting when I started to unpack what procrastination means syllable by syllable is the fear that's really masquerading around as procrastination. When we get into the tools, I'll tie this all together, how I like to look at the stories that are keeping me stagnant, how how I identify the fears, my low self-worth, the blocks that are keeping me from being productive and then stifling my ability to complete whatever the task may be. And recent meeting that I needed to have with my bosses so that we could talk about things and all of this that was tied to like my self-worth and what I thought about myself and what this meant and how would I ask for something that I don't really think I deserve. So it was all the stories underneath that really um, was fueling the fear to even make me be able to sit down and get started at writing like what I needed to do. So those are my examples. Those are some ideas of procrastination or fear 
And can't wait for tools. Tools, tools, tools. Thanks, Pony. Thank you so much, Lindsay. And I I sure do relate to that experience of, you know, there's a lot of stuff in my life today that I just do. And stuff that really used to be a thing I would procrastinate, like physical therapy. Mm. I just do it now. And then there are other things where... So I have this note on my phone, which is my kind of like ongoing to-do list. And I used to write (laughs) extensive to-do lists and have like little boxes that I could check off because it made me feel like I could control and manage my Mm -hmm. life when I really couldn't. A couple of months ago, one of my spiritual advisors suggested that I I practice faith by not writing to-do lists and trusting that whatever... I don't write down, will get done if it needs to get done. Like if it's important enough, I'll remember it. And I have some issues with my brain and I forget stuff pretty easily. And so anyway, I have this ongoing note on my phone. I texted Lindsay maybe like three months ago or something and was like, I really have to redo my resume. It's been like on my notes for like, in my notes for like a year now, I really have to redo it. And then I didn't do it again for several more months after that. And recently I had an experience at work where I'm like, oh, I might need to start looking for a new job soon. It's so amazing because I had been avoiding this for so long and then I did it and I was, it took, I don't know, two hours max. And I made this beautiful resume with (laughs) this tool that I learned how to use and it was just great. And so I'm like, Oh man, when it when it has to do with self-worth, it takes on this like extra heaviness mm. and extra kind of stickiness for me too. It's really uncomfortable. Annie and I were reading a spiritual text together that talked about how we're like genuinely alarmed at the prospect <laughs> of real work and that it's we're my favorite. Oh my god. And then we're working at best begrudgingly and under half steam. <laughs> and every time I read it, I'm like Damn it. It's as true as it ever was. But I'm so delicate. Exactly. (laughs) So we read that recently and I was just like, wow, yep. So avoidance for me today doesn't feel like the kind of panic attack levels that it used to feel like with getting sent to collections by FAFSA. (laughs) Thank goodness. Okay. So it doesn't Mm. look like that anymore, but what it feels like is this subtle physical pressure and the space being taken p- taken up in my brain and heart that there's something I ought to be doing that I'm not doing. And when that compounds, what that leads to is this feeling of not being safe. I feel like I'm not safe and I feel like I can't trust myself. Those feelings have become pretty unbearable for me <laughs> in present time. So I don't need the like panic attack levels of anxiety to do the thing that's necessary. What has actually happened for me is that the internal pain of like eroding my own integrity through avoidance is so painful now. It almost feels as bad as panic attack level anxiety about avoiding student loans. That thing that I was talking about at the beginning with the um, procrastination action line, it's still true that I need enough pain to propel me into action, but my pain threshold is way lower now than Mm. it was a few years ago. So uh, we've got a bunch of tools to bring into the mix. And we're going to look at what tools we can apply to our tendencies to avoid and procrastinate that can free us from some of that anxiety and inaction. So Annie, what tools are you going to introduce us to today? 
I love that we're having this conversation and how I my brain still thinks that avoiding stuff equals fun. Freedom. Yeah. Fun freedom. and freedom. Yeah. Together at last. <laughs> oh, that's great. I actually get a sense of integrity when I just do my work. And I love that you were talking about my threshold for discomfort is getting less and less all the time because I keep getting this mounting evidence that as I actually just do the things that I need to do, that's what makes me feel good. My tools are really similar to the ones that I use for overwhelm. The first one is transparency. So I let people know what I'm avoiding and why, because when I just keep it to myself, it's pretty, pretty sneaky. I'll just say, hey, I have this... I need to go get my blood work done. My doctor ordered it. I'm avoiding it. True fact. I'm telling the internet right now. And once I tell people, then they know to ask about it. And I've also kind of let the cat out of the bag. So the first one is transparency. The second one is accountability. So I've opened up the door and then I create an opportunity for people to help me get it done. Whether it's like emotional work and I'm putting like going to the doctor under emotional work, (laughs) you know, or career work that I know I want to avoid because I don't think it's fun or I'm scared or whatever it is. I set up accountability barriers. So I say, hey, I'm going to do this by next Tuesday. Will you check on me? Make sure I did it. Or, and another way that I can have accountability is I set up co-work projects, especially if it's an actual task. I can get on FaceTime with a friend and put them in the little video window and we mute each other and I'm there working on my task and they know that I'm working on my task. And then when you know our two hours or whatever are up, I can say, hey, I got halfway through this project. Here's where I am on it. And it just it helps me get through it because I'm not alone. And I think a lot of it for me when I'm procrastinating, I get so weird in my head and I'm like, it's just me against the world. If I have a buddy, it's it's okay. You know, we're just doing stuff together. And then the third part is I specific, assign specific times for tasks. I create a really structured time frame around a project that I need to do that I'm procrastinating. So say I'm writing an essay, I'll break it down and I'll say from 2 to 3.30, I'm going to write the intro. From 3.30 to 4, I'm going to research these parts. From 4 to 5, I'm going to do this. And then I just follow, like I can take the thought out of it and I just follow the directions. (laughs) You know, I'm like, oh, well, I just, actually, this is the time to do this. And I get as much done as I can during that time. And then I go to the next part. But it often when I'm scared or I'm in avoidant mode, like my edges get really blurry and I kind of like my thinking can get a little fuzzy. So if I have really structured approaches to things, it helps me just get through it. So those are my my things, transparency, accountability, and assigning times for tasks. And I pray. Like if I am totally, like before all that stuff, I'll just say a prayer and be like, God, whatever, please help me just show up and do my work. I need help. I'll go to the blood work with you. We can have a little date. Oh, that would be really helpful. I love hospitals because people have a hard time. Oh, You know I'm so good there. You are really good. Of course I'll go. It'd be an honor. Thanks, Pony. So easy. (sighs) Little Ponyta, do you want to share your tools for procrastination with us? Yes. (laughs) Yes, I do. (laughs) (laughs) I liked what you were talking about in the beginning about defining the force that 
leads to the procrastination. And for me, defining the force oftentimes is simply a fear list. Mm -hmm. So listing out all of my fears. These are the stories, right, that are tied to what is perpetuating me from not doing anything. So I have to do a whole list of fears. And I get them all out on paper and... Just writing down all of the fears, oftentimes I find out, takes out a lot of the power, the power out of the story that my mind is weaving with the fear. So I write out my fears, and here's what some of them... I had to do this, actually. That's how I got any work done. So here's just a couple back from my um, work example. I'm afraid I don't deserve a raise. I'm afraid to ask for something because I believe I can't ask for what I want and get it. I'm terrified of my boss. And then two pages later, I had a much broader understanding of the fears that were driving my procrastination. It really opened up the space for me. With this space created, I'm able to recognize that I have a choice, right? I'm the agent here. I get to choose if I'm going to continue on like building the fuel, like the fear fires. Every time I have another fear, like the fire gets bigger and then another fear and it just keeps in the, going in the circle until I'm on fire <laughs> or I can get into action. And what helps me a lot of times is to remember that inaction is action mm-hmm. and things are happening, whether you're doing just you not doing anything is sometimes off the biggest action that one can take. For me, looking at the fears here, it is so, I have to do this quite frequently. So after the two pages of fears, after that, then two other questions that I ask myself, what is my intention? So like, what's my intention with this situation? Then that really helps to build more of being able to see what is here. And then what's my truth? After doing all this work, the truth in this example for me was that my internal soul work is not something that's going to be a quick fix with a raise. And so this was like really deep, right? Like here it was, I I thought I was incapable or worthless or like all, I didn't even know any of that. I was just scared and couldn't move. Mm -hmm. And then going through this process and really getting down and digging deeper down below, it helps me to build a stronger foundation than just trying to move like, oh, if I get that raise, then I'll be great. Mm. Like all of this these stories and beliefs that I have in my head. So really going down deep into it by what's what's my intention. What was really cool about all of this and what I feel like I got the raise, by the way. Woo! Gonna, yay. <laughs> Congratulate myself. But what became even much more important, the soul work, this internal work is much more important to me than a raise. Like I am so much more interested in helping myself with this low self-esteem, this low self-worth, tracing back and figuring out why those stories are still so loud and here because I'm noticing for me that it stops me and paralyzes me in so many more ways than just procrastination. I mean, I it's a whole other lens that I'm seeing the world through and it almost I'm getting to the point where it almost feels like because I have identified it so many times that I could even just take those glasses off. Mm. Um so that was that was the biggest raise for me personally and it just such a complete change in perspective and it would not have come without doing that those lists. It wouldn't I could not get there cuz I tried for like six days and was just crying, calling all my friends and my people who were in the, and luckily they remind me of the tools and I get to do something like this and then get such big shifts in my perspective. And 
If that's too much, because, you know, come on, that's a lot. Who has time for soul work? <laughs> oh, my God, anyway. the soul work. Are you messing with me? That's just another thing for me to procrastinate on. Yeah. Of course I'm not going to do that. That sounds really tough. Set a timer. Set a timer for 20 minutes. Make a deal with yourself that today, at this moment, in this time, I am working on this thing for 20 minutes, no matter what. Do it begrud- begrudgingly. Kick rocks. Sit there. Be mad. Do your 20 minutes of work. Period. Then when the timer goes off, not only can you congratulate yourself, but if you're feeling it, do another 20. And if not, congratulations, you did 20 minutes of work that you were never planning on doing because tomorrow may not come, baby. (laughs) We. Who's feeling willing now? It reminds me actually of this uh, very simple productivity technique that Annie and I used to use called Pomodoro. It means tomato in Italian. So. A tomato. The tomat. <laughs> no. Literally all it is is you work for 25 minutes and oh. then you take a five-minute break where you get up and you leave your computer alone and then you can do it again. Um, so my <laughs> biggest tool is routine when it comes to stuff that I'd rather procrastinate. And routine just saves my life. There's so much stuff I have to do to take care of my body on a daily basis that I would avoid for, I did avoid forever. And it was really, really painful until I built these routines into my day of like, okay, you, I have to take a bath for my circulatory system and I have to do it when it's early in the morning because it's when it gets too hot, I'm not going to do it. And then right after I do that, I lay down to do my morning meditation and cervical decompression and the physical therapy and blah, blah, blah. So if I didn't have a routine for like how to take care of this vessel every day, oh my God, it's just a spiral. It's like a, it's bad. So I love a routine. And the thing I'm going to say too is that my, I've set my life up to be booby trapped with spirituality. So I can't, even if I don't want to be spiritual, my literally my life is booby trapped. So I will trip on one of the spiritual booby traps and fall into the solution whether I want to or not. And that is so great because I don't always want to. Uh-huh. Um, not today, thanks. And it was funny. I have a friend who's having a hard time w- with a spiritual routine and we have an agreement where The contract is that she calls me every day. And she was suggesting that she text me this certain emoji when she did her morning meditation. And I said, why don't you just call me and let me know? Because the amount of effort it takes to build the habit of texting an emoji to someone is actually the same amount of effort it takes to make a phone call. And if we're starting a new habit, we might as well do the thing that like we ought to do because the effort to start a habit is the same. That really helps me. These are the kind of like in the moment and like habit oriented tools that I have. Another one is to just start whatever it is that I'm not doing. Can I can I literally just pray for the willingness to just start doing it? And another thing that helped me when I was trying to build the physical therapy routine into my day was to take these like really tiny micro actions. Like you don't want to lay down on your yoga mat and do your physical therapy, just lay your mat out. You don't want to lay down on your mat because that means you have to do physical therapy, just sit on it. You don't want to lay down on your mat because then you have to start physical. Okay, just lay down on it, but don't start physical therapy. You know, and it's like I would take these tiny little micro actions and eventually I would be in the position where I was just going to do the thing. I really liked that learning that there was a 
a term also for the procrastination action line because I get to this point that I can like recognize in myself now where it's the evening time and then I get to do my other physical therapy routine for my neck. And this is a habit I'm still in the process of building. So oftentimes I won't want to do it. And then I'll text Annie and Lindsay and be like, I'm avoiding my neck exercises. That's what I call them in my brain and in text messages. Sometimes I can tell that just there's this tiny little action that I could do just sending a text message that will propel me into action. I can feel I'm really close and I just need to get pushed over the edge. And then the kind of like big overarching tool like Lindsay was talking about is that soul work thing. And for me, the way that I phrase it to myself is character building over comfort seeking. When I can make emotional contact with that principle that I care more about freedom than I do about comfort, then sometimes that can get me into action. For me, I know from plenty of experience that looking for shortcuts in life causes suffering for me and other people. And I look for them all the time in very sneaky ways. Oh yeah. Shortcuts and loopholes, baby. (laughs) Can I finally have one? Like, please. (laughs) So whenever there's an action that I don't particularly want to do. And the first example that comes to mind is like bringing my grocery cart back to where the grocery carts go after I go shopping. (laughs) I'm like, I'm too important for that. Forget it. I can remind myself I care more about freedom than I do about comfort, or I care more about building my character than I do about leaving this grocery cart in a place that I deem appropriate, even though there are clearly marked (laughs) homes for unused grocery carts. And that really gets me. I'm like, I, I can really tap into that deep intention to grow through doing the things that ought to be done. That's a really beautiful intention when I can tap into it. And my experience is usually that it's easier to do that when it's things like jaywalking or bringing your grocery cart back and kind of harder to do when it has to do with like your own life. (laughs) Those are my tools. So woo, got a whole box full of them now for our soul work and our little tipsies. I love this episode. This is so fun to talk about because it really toes the line between practical action and then growing the character building that you're talking about. And how does spirituality come into that? Do I need a higher power to lean on to get through some of this stuff? And how do I get deep into that fear that Lindsay was talking about? I really, I like this topic. So great, all of us together. And of course, you can come and find us on www.prettyspiritualpodcast.com. You can find us on Instagram, Facebook, all those places. Come and find us over there. Reach out, say hello. You can check out our resources and our tools page. Amazing that we have so much for you. We would love to connect and hear all about What's going on for you in terms of fear or procrastination or what topic you'd love for us to cover? We can't wait. And oh my goodness, what are we going to talk about next week, Annie? Speaking of fear. Uh-oh. Oh. Yes. We are going to talk about fear next week and how spirituality can relate to it. And what does that even mean? Oof. Oh, I'm getting scared just thinking about it. Ooh la la. Can't wait till then. See you next week. Bye. We love you.